What is up, everybody? Welcome to a new episode of Fight Talk with Alam. We're off of a big week this week in MMA. Last week, one of the best events of the year, Davis and Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno in a possible fight of the year candidate. And some other great fights like Tony Ferguson and Charles Oliveira. We'll talk about that card real quick. And then this upcoming weekend, we got a great fight night for you guys. Although Hazmat Shemaev isn't fighting Leon Edwards, all the other fights are sick. Uh, I don't really know who's going to win a lot of these fights, but I'll give you guys my prediction. I'm kind of up in the air with a lot of these picks, but we'll see what happens. And then for the last segment, we're doing 2020 Fight Awards. We got the Male Fighter of the Year, Female Fighter of the Year, the Fight of the Year, Breakthrough Fighter of the Year, KO of the Year, Submission, and Event. So, let's get started. Alright. Last weekend, I knew it was going to be a great card, but it exceeded my expectations. Uh, I got most of my picks right. I think I got one wrong. Cup Swanson, you proved me wrong. You beat Daniel Pineda by a knockout. Much respect. And then the main event was a draw, but I don't think anybody in the world would have predicted that. Nobody really predicts draws, so I can't be too mad about that one. So we'll start out with uh, some of the fighters and who I think they should fight next. Okay. So my dude, Rafael Faziv, I told you these Kyrgyzstani, Azerbaijan, Chechnyan, Dagestani fighters, they're just built different. And the combos this man was throwing, the takedown defense, his Muay Thai is fantastic. Uh, and he's fighting a guy in Hanato Moikano who was always kind of like a gatekeeper almost. Like he, he beat guys like Calvin Cater, uh, great fighters. And he had close fights with Brian Ortega. And he was fighting guys like Jose Aldo, but when he lost that match, he kind of went on a downhill spiral. But he's always been a guy that like beats the lower-tier guys. Uh, but when he gets up to those big fights like a Jose Aldo or a Korean Zombie, he leaves his chin exposed and he gets knocked out. And the same thing happened this time with a great combo uh, by Faziv. I'm a big fan of this dude. I've been telling you guys, these these people in these in these countries... They're taking over. They're gonna they're gonna take over MMA. You know, I just saw a Bellator card uh, the last weekend, and they had two, uh, one Chechnyan, one Dagestani guy. Uh, his name was Nikayev. He was the Chechnyan wolf, and there was another guy named Magomed Magomedov. So if you ever see someone named Magomed, uh, run away, because <laughs> he's probably a Dagestani killer. And these fight these guys fight pretty much exactly like Habib. And it's crazy, man. You got so many of these guys uh, that are just great fighters. And I could talk about this all day, but we're just going to talk about Faziv now. He's a great striker. Um, he knocked out Hanato Moikano real easily. He just was one step ahead of him. And for his next fight, he definitely needs to face a ranked opponent. He deserves that. And what better fight would there be than him against Edson Barboza? Holy shit, dude. That fight would be crazy. Two great strikers, quick guys. Uh, Faziv is on an uprise. Edson Barboza is kind of... He's not over the hill, but he's in the latter part of his career. I would be so down to watch that fight. But if that doesn't materialize, uh, maybe fight an even higher-ranked opponent like a Dan Ige. But I think Edson Barboza is very worthy. And uh, if he beat him, he would definitely get some considerations uh, for higher-ranked opponents. Okay, and then we got Cyril Gan. Uh, so, 
I guess the bookies know something I don't. I picked him to win, but I didn't think it would be this easy for him. Uh, seeing him enter the octagon, he looks like he would win Mount Olympia tomorrow if he would if he were to compete. Um, this guy is different, bro. He is fucking big, and he's smart. That's the one thing I like about him. He seems like an all-around good fighter. Uh, he is huge. He has, to me, pretty good cardio, really good technique. He stayed on the outside. Junior Dos Santos, uh, he had some openings in the in, uh, uh, fighting in the inside, which kind of concerned me, and I thought that Cyril Game might get knocked out, but he kept his cool, uh, was very composed, and landed a beautiful elbow on, on Dos Santos. And Dos Santos was protesting that it was an illegal elbow, but if you're not facing your opponent, you can't really get too mad about that, in my opinion. And it was fairly legal. Like, it wasn't egregious where he, like, just saw the back of his head and just elbowed it. Uh, he was... They were moving, so it's 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 tough to kind of gauge that distance. And I don't blame Serogin at all. I don't think that it takes away from his win at all. He fought a great fight, and he knocked him out. And JDS, he's probably going to get cut. I mean, I, I said this... Four losses in a row, all knockouts. He just does not fight very smart. He's definitely over the hill, and he should probably think about hanging it, hanging it up. Kevin Holland. Wow, man. Kevin fucking Holland. He is an animal. Uh, I was a little scared for him right away because he was he was uh, almost okay with being on the ground with Jacare. And when both of you are dry and it's the start of the fight, I, th I thought that's how Jacare would win the fight. But Jacare to me seemed uh, very, just, I don't know, he just seemed very unexpected of Kevin's power. And Kevin was landing some great elbows as soon as uh, Jacare was, was trying to pass his guard. And then uh, Jacare had to get up. Jacare took him down again. Because Kevin went for a guillotine for some reason. But I kind of like it because Kevin doesn't give a fuck. As soon as you think, uh, oh shit, I'm facing Jacare. If he gets to the ground, I'm done. I'm toast. I can't. Or if you're facing a good wrestler, you're like, I, I can't take, I can't, uh, I don't have good enough take on defense uh, against him, you know? As soon as you start to think that, you've lost the fight already. And Kevin Holland doesn't give a fuck. He's the definition of a guy that does not give a shit. Uh, if you're Jacare Souza, he'll throw up triangles, guillotines, he doesn't care. Just to kind of psych you out, it's mental warfare. He's talking to you, he's saying, I dreamed about this. And then he got Jacare, he, he got him with that. Uh, Jacare, because he was responding back to him, and he didn't, he left his head wide open. And then, poo, Kevin Holland with the right hand from fucking the bottom of the octagon just hit Jacare. Jacare, as soon as he got hit, hit with that, he backed up and he kind of froze almost. And then Kevin Holland got up, landed an even better shot to the top of his head, and just kept winging those punches at him. He has got some serious power. Not a lot of times do you see a guy from the bottom generate that much power. And I don't give a fuck who it is. If it's a 40-year-old Jockery, Jockery does not have a terrible chin. Kevin Holland just has some power, man. And this is a great win for Kevin Holland. First-round knockout of a legend in Jockery Souza. And he's going to be top 10 middleweight right now. So, great year for him. 5-0 and on the year. That is insane. And he asked to fight Hazmat Shemaev the week after. I love this dude. I've been I've known Kevin Holland since he fought Thiago Santos. Although Thiago Santos beat him pretty handedly. What I saw from him was really interesting. He seemed like an all-around good talent. 
and he was a guy I didn't know that, and he was fighting Thiago Santos. He was talking to him. I'm like, who the fuck is this dude? He seems pretty good. Uh, he he didn't seem afraid to me to grapple or strike at all with Thiago Santos. He didn't seem timid, and he's just confident, man. He thinks he can beat anybody, and he's a student of the game. He knows everything about uh, MMA. He's a huge fan, so I'm a I'm a big fan of Kevin Holland, man. He's a fucking beast. And then we got probably the biggest surprise of the night. Tony Ferguson versus Charles Oliveira. Uh, Tony Ferguson is not a slouch on the ground. We know that. But I did not think that Charles Oliveira would control him this bad. Uh, Charles Oliveira out-wrestled him. Not just out-grappled him. He out-wrestled him. He picked up Tony with ease. I've never seen that in my life. On the feet, it seemed pretty... Okay for Tony, he landed a spinning back fist and some other combinations, but as soon as Charles Oliveira uh, dropped down and went for a takedown, it was fucking Rap City. Um, he controlled him. The fact that Tony did not tap to that armbar is just a testament to how tough he is. But here's the thing, man. We always say guys are tough. Look at how tough this guy is. He's got so much heart. And it's cool to say that and all, and obviously I respect Tony. I love him. But I think he's too tough for his own good, and I think that it's catching up to him, to be honest. You only have so many fights where you can have these wars, and you can take these shots, and you can have such heart. Because you're not the same fighter after these wars. Like This is kind of why I picked Oliveira, because I believe that Tony Ferguson, four years ago, three, four years ago, would have wiped the floor with Oliveira. Or maybe it would have been close fight, but I think he would have beaten him. But this Ferguson, it's just tough, man. I mean, you look at his record. He has no easy fights, really. I mean, uh, as long as I can remember, let's see here. He, Tony Ferguson has never dominated a fight. Like, at least that I've seen in the past couple of years. Like, look at this. Edson Barboza. Uh, he choked him on the second round, but it was a back-and-forth fight. He took some shots. Lando Venata almost got finished. Uh, RDA, it was like a very close decision. Back and forth fight, a lot of significant strikes thrown. Kevin Lee got mounted in the first round, uh, almost got finished. Anthony Pettis got knocked down in that fight. Donald Cerrone took some good shots in that fight. And then Justin Gaethje, he got destroyed. I mean, we love Tony Ferguson for this reason, because he's such a beast and he's so tough. But sometimes, dude, Father Time, I, I always say this, Father Time is the only undefeated champion and Tony Ferguson is an older man. He cannot go out and fight like this. It's, ju it's just... I don't know what else he can really do in the UFC right now. It's just... It's going to be tough for him to like bounce back from this, in my opinion. Uh, I think a good start would be to actually get an, a training camp. Because we... Like, he's kicking steel poles and, like, hanging on his head and doing push-ups and... All these weird fucking things, like he's crawling up st up the stairs and like doing these weird move movements. And although that is who Tony Ferguson is, you have to adjust when you get older. And I just don't think that him working out by himself with his training partners and not having a head coach to tell him what to do, and him just kind of going out there, it's not going to work against these high-level guys at his age. It's just not going to work. And him being tough... I just, I, I don't know, it's it's not enough, it's not enough to be tough in this sport, because everybody's tough, fucking tough, and Ferguson, 12 fight win streak, man, I mean, this guy's a legend of the game, but at, 
at this moment in time, it's some guys like we say we see with Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo is not the same fighter he was when he fought Chad Mendes the first time. If you stay in the sport long enough, you will not be the same fighter. If Habib fights six, seven more times, he's not going to be the same guy after each fight. He's not going to keep dominating people. He's going to first start losing a couple rounds, then he might lose a fight in, in like six, four, five, five, six fights. Nobody has ever just dominated all of the MMA fights and just left, except for Habib, but he's like 30 years old. So I don't know, man. This is it's It's strange. I just, it it made no sense. I don't know what Tony is doing. He seems he seems weird to me. Uh, he he didn't have Eddie Bravo in his corner, which didn't make any sense for me because Eddie, Charles Oliveira was obviously gonna try to take this fight to the floor. So I think that having Eddie in his corner definitely would have helped. But I don't know if they're having problems, and he just seemed to kind of have some yes men in his corner that were were telling him, "You're doing fine. You're doing good." Like, no, bro, you're not doing good. You're getting your ass beat. You got a, he just got a 10-8 a round on you because he almost he broke your fucking arm in the first round. You got to go for broke. But nobody told him that, so I don't know. But yeah, Charles Oliveira, I've been, I've been saying his praises for the longest time. I said he's a dark horse of the, of the division. And I think he poses a lot of problems for the guys in the, uh, in the top uh, four or whatever. I think he poses some problems for Connor. Uh, I think he poses problems for Justin, obviously because Justin's jujitsu game got exposed, and even Chandler and Dustin, all these guys, I think he poses problems. And even like if Habib came back, that would be a cool ass fight to watch. I still think Habib would win because uh, Oliveira gets tired, and he can get submitted as well. But it would be interesting, man. It would be kind of cool to watch. And Charles Oliveira is fighting great. He fought that fight. He fought uh, Ferguson super smart, didn't take a lot of risks, and that's how you got to do it, man. I'm very excited for him, and I think he's got a title shot in uh, no time. So, yeah. And then we got the main event. Ah, oh, fuck, man. This fight was so good. So, I thought Figueroa was going to win just because I thought he was better in all aspects than Brennan Moreno. But I did not know that Brandon Moreno can take a shot better than anybody in the fucking world. I mean, this guy took all of Figueredo's heat and then came back. He outgrappled Figueredo, although Figueredo had good scrambles. He took him down like three, four times. Uh, Figueredo broke his broke Brandon's, I think, shoulder in the fourth round or whatever, whatever round it was. I can't remember. <laughs> But uh, the way I scored this fight, guys, I actually had it a draw. But I looked back at the fight, and the third round was f really fucking close. And I might... So this is how I had it the f when I watched it right away. First round, I had it for Figueredo. Second round, I had it for Figueredo. Third round, I had it for Brandon Moreno, plus the point deduction, so that's a 10-8. Fourth round, Brandon Moreno. Fifth round, Figueredo. So that's 47-47, I think. Uh, I wasn't mad at the draw. I think it was the closest, one of the closest fights I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I thought Figueroa, Figueroa obviously had the power advantage, and I think he landed more strikes. But Brandon Moreno took him down and landed really good combinations and seemed to be uh, the more active fighter at times. 
So it was a super close fight, and I just love the way these guys match up. And I cannot wait for a rematch because they need to do a rematch for this fight 100%. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, I completely forgot to talk about some of the fighters that these guys need to fight, so I'm going to actually talk about that. Uh, Figueredo versus Moreno. Fight, one of the fights of the night. Uh, I obviously saw that Figueredo had a problem. He got really tired. I saw him breathe through his mouth in the first round, which was really weird, and he's super flat-footed. Uh, I think that's a testament to him being sick and being in the hospital uh, the night after, the night before. But I'm, you can't take anything away from Brandon Moreno because he took those shots, and Figueredo. He probably should have conserved his energy a little bit better, but he still seemed okay in the fifth round, and he actually won the fifth round, mostly because Brandon Moreno was not active because he broke his uh, shoulder, apparently. But all alone, that's a great fight. That definitely needs to be a rematch. I don't even care about Cody Garbrandt anymore. I don't give a shit. I want to watch this fight again. I'd watch these guys fight every single week if I could. Uh, but give these guys a little bit of break because they just fought... Uh, in a span of 21 days twice. And I would say schedule this for April or May. Uh, okay, Oliveira, I would I would say for Oliveira, see how Connor and Dustin and Justin and Chandler goes. Although Justin and Chandler is not announced, I'm assuming that fight's going to happen. Kind of see how that goes. Uh, I don't see Connor loving that fight right now. Um, I think more so Oliveira is probably going to fight the winner of Justin and Chandler, but... We'll see. This it's gonna be interesting to see. We gotta watch how those fights go, and then uh, probably match up with one of those guys. But for sure, any of those four guys, most likely the winners of either of those two bouts. And then for Ferguson, I would say probably the winner of Islam Makachev and Drew Dober. Uh, but I think he should take some time off and get his shit together, probably. Uh, or he could fight Dan Hooker. Then for Kevin Holland, I think you should get a top 10 guy. I think he called out Derek Brunson, which is a perfect call-out. Uh, that would be an interesting fight with Derek Brunson's wrestling and his no knockout power with his left hand being a southpaw. It'd be an interesting fight. Uh, and then Cyril Gain, I think he should fight either Overeem or Volkov, two great strikers. See how he lines up against those guys who are better strikers than JDS. And that's it. All right. And now next, I got my preview and predictions for Stephen Thompson and Jeff Neal. Okay, so the first fight, Anthony Pettis versus Alex Moreno. What a weird fight. Um, I don't, I'll be honest with you guys, I don't really know who Alex Moreno is. Uh, I know that he got knocked out by Cass Williams in 27 seconds. But that's all I know about him. His record is like 6-1. And I guess Anthony Pettis, I think he's on his last fight of his contract, so I think he wants to end this fight and then maybe renegotiate for more money or go somewhere else. So he thinks that this will be a good two-and-up fight probably against a young prospect. And that will be the last fight on his contract. So Anthony Pettis is coming off a win against Donald Cerrone, although that was... Kind of a close fight. I thought Donald probably won that fight. I don't know. Uh, Anthony Pettis is a very inconsistent fighter, in my opinion. I feel like there's a good blueprint to beat him up, uh, push him against the cage, 
have good wrestling and just keep pressuring him so he can't find space and use his uh, good tick, uh, kicking and striking ability. But not knowing that Al who Alex Marino is, and knowing that Anthony Pettis is a sappy veteran and has seen and has fought pretty much everybody, I don't think he's going to get confused by, some Al by Alex Marino. So I'll go with Anthony Pettis by second round KO. Okay, Marcin Tabora versus Greg Hardy. Uh, so Marcin Tabora is on a three-fight win streak. He just beat Ben Rothwell. Uh, beat him in a decision in a smart fight. He seemed to have the grappling advantage. But he can get knocked out. And he's prone to getting knocked out. Because the defense isn't anything crazy. Uh, and honestly, Greg Hardy, although people hate on him a lot, I think he's actually fought really well in his past couple fights, and he's he's figuring it out really quickly. Uh, I think that Greg Hardy, though, is in a weird spot where he used to be a guy that knocked out people in the first round, and now he's kind of becoming a more timid fighter. And I think that if he kind of finds a way to let loose of his power more, but fight smart and try to conserve his energy, he can be really good. Because he's, really, he's very athletic. So, I'm actually going to go with Greg Hardy here. I think he's going to knock him out. I think that Greg Hardy is much faster and more athletic than Tabora, obviously. And I think Greg Hardy should have good enough takedown defense to stop the takedowns and land a good shot on Tabora. This is a risky pick, but I'm going to go with Greg Hardy here. Because I, th I think uh, watching him fight against Volkov, he actually fought pretty well. And... I, I, I'm, I don't know, I just feel like he's learning MMA really quick, and this will be a good showing for him, so I'm going to go with Greg Hardy first round KO. And then we got Marlon Marais versus Rob Font, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but I've been saying that Rob Font is a breakout star for a while now, he's been kind of low-key lately, but this is his biggest fight to date against the top five opponents, and if Rob Font wants to get into that title hunt, he's definitely going to have to beat Marlon Marais. Uh, Rob Font, I think he's a smart enough fighter to know not to uh, engage with Marlon Marais early on, because that's when Marlon Marais is at his most uh, dangerous state. Uh, I feel like, for me, Marlon Marais is a tough guy to bet on, because he seems to be a little mentally weak. And whenever he starts losing, uh, he doesn't really come back. He seems to be a guy that's very good at being the hammer, but not the best nail. So that's where I'm kind of thinking that uh, Rob Font will prevail. Because uh, seeing him fight... Seeing him fight against guys like uh, Tiago Almeida, uh, his striking is really good. And he's only getting better with each fight. And I think he's smart enough with his camp in Boston with Calvin Cater to figure out a good way to beat Marlon Marais. Uh, I do, I do though, think that a three-round fight does help Marlon Marais because he won't get as tired. But I feel like it'll be a pretty close fight. And Rob Font should be able to win the last two rounds and pressure Marlon Marais and get him tired and win the fight by, by a decision. I, I'm really excited for this fight. 
because I do think Marlon Marais, uh he didn't look terrible against Sanhagen in the first round, and in a three-round fight, he's definitely dangerous, and he has not got power, but I think Rob Fon is smart enough, and he has good enough boxing to beat him in a decision. And then we got Michelle Pereira versus Chaos Williams. Chaos Williams, best name in the UFC by far. Crazy name. I don't know if his actual name is Chaos, but that's fucking dope. Uh, so for Michelle Pereira, he seemed to be more technical in his last fight, but he's still a little amateurish with his striking. And he does have power, but he's kind of dumb. Uh, defensively, I feel like he leaves his chin open a lot. And against a guy like Chaos Williams, who has ridiculous power, we saw it against Abdul Razak Al Hassan. Al Hassan was out for like 10 minutes. Uh, one of the craziest knockouts I've ever seen in my fucking life. So, I feel like with this fight, Michelle Pereira, he should probably try to grapple him. But I think he's too stubborn, and he's going to try to make this crazy fight and this crazy Rock'em Sock'em Robots fight. And I guess Cass Williams, if you try to like make it a Rock'em Sock'em Robots fight, it's not going to end well for you because he has one-punch power. So I'm going to go with Cass Williams' first-round KO. But this fight is going to be crazy, bro. This, this whole card is nuts. Uh, and then we got Jose Aldo versus Marlon Vera, which was the hardest fight for me to predict. And I'm going back and forth with it because obviously Jose Aldo is not the same fighter that he used to be. And he's on a three-fight losing streak, although I don't count the Marlon Moraes fight because I thought that he won that one. So his last two losses, in my opinion, are Piotr Jan and Alexander Volkanovsky, which is nothing to hold your head on. Those are two great fighters. But the thing with Jose is that although he still is quick and athletic, and he still has good kicks and boxing. I feel like he makes some critical mistakes, and he is just <coughs> really not good at fighting off of the back foot. He's really not good if you pressure him and you get him tired. But I do think that it helps him this being a three-round fight, just like it does with Marlon Moraes. So two very similar fighters. Uh, the reason I'm picking Jose here is that it's a three-round fight. Marlon Vera, to me, although he's on a win streak, uh, even though he lost to Song Dong, I thought he won that fight. He's on a win streak, but I think Jose's the more, more technical striker and the quicker striker. And Marlon, Marlon Vera seems to uh, be a slow starter. And you can't be a slow starter against Jose Aldo because in the first two rounds, Jose Aldo is a fucking problem. But where I see it being a problem for Jose Aldo is if he uses too much energy in the first two rounds and Marlon Rivera can uh, create problems for him if he keeps pressuring him. So I think Marlon Rivera could win this fight if he, if he pressures Jose for the whole fight. But he's going to walk into Jose's power right away. And he's gonna. I feel like he's going to leave himself open to get hit by Jose a lot. Uh, although Marlon Rivera is... is uh, I do believe that he has a really good chin, so he's not going to get knocked out by Jose. I think it'll be a close fight, and Jose is going to eke a decision out. Alright, for this fight, Stephen Thompson versus Jeff Neal. Holy shit, this is a crazy fight. Uh, Jeff Neal, I've been saying good things about him for a couple of years now. He's a very consistent fighter, a really good striker, very technical. 
but he is facing one of the most te- probably the most technical striker in the UFC welterweight division. Uh, this is possibly the worst matchup for Jeff Neal in the whole division, in my opinion. Um, Jeff Neal is not a wrestler, really. I've never seen him go for a takedown or hold the guy down, and I just don't know. I feel like Thompson is a much longer fighter than him, and, and he's more experienced, and he looked really good against Vicente Luque. Uh, the only way I can see Jeff Neal winning this fight is if he proves me wrong, and he has a really good game plan to get inside on Thompson, and even knocks Thompson out in the first round, because Thompson can get knocked out, we've seen, against Anthony Pettis. But, I just feel like this is a really tough matchup for Neil. I think Stephen Thompson should be able to pick him apart, and Stephen Thompson doesn't really take a lot of risks. So, uh, because here's the thing, Jeff Neal is not like a, like a go inside and like a brawl type of fighter. He's very technical, a technical boxer and, and a good kickboxer. But it's like, is he really going to win a kickboxing match against Steven Thompson, who's one of the best kickboxers to ever get in the UFC? I probably don't think so. I think Thompson's going to keep him at bay with uh, sidekicks, and he's going to be able to pick him apart, and he'll win a decision but I do think Jeff Neal is a problem in the first couple rounds for uh, Thompson, so he should be very wary of that. But uh, ultimately, I'm going to go with Stephen Thompson by decision. But I wouldn't be surprised if Jeff Neal wins because I do think highly of him. I just think it's a tough matchup for him. And then, for our final segment, uh, we're going to go into the 2020 Fighter Awards. Okay, Male Fighter of the Year. So there was some considerations for this. I was thinking my finals are probably Davis and Figueredo and Kevin Holland. Uh, Kevin Holland, 5-0 and this year, and his first fight was in May of 2020, which is bananas. He's fought in September, October, uh, December, August. He's, he's fought a crazy amount. And Davis and Figueredo fought in February against... Benavidez, and then he fought this summer against Benavidez again, knocked him out uh, first time, submitted him the second time, both dominant wins. Then he submitted Alex Perez, uh, and then he drew with Brandon Moreno, but possibly won that fight if he won the third round. But a close fight, though, so yeah. Uh, what the, the fighter that I'm going to pick for this is... Davis and Figueroa, solely because he's a champion, and being a champion, it's harder to keep your belts, uh, having to deal with the tough weight cut, uh, tough fight against Brandon Moreno, and just, nobody really knew him in uh, 2019, and he came out and he fucked up Joseph Benavidez, and then he f- fought him again, basically his first title defense, although he missed weight in the, fr- the first time. Uh, Dominate Joseph Benavidez like nobody else has ever done. Beat Alex Perez in the first minute of the of the first round with a great submission. And then fought the one of the fights of the years uh, against Brandon Moreno. Just insane, man. The way this guy has taken over this year is crazy. Uh, the power that he has with the technique that he has in the grappling department, uh, although. Defensively against Brandon Moreno, he has he had some flaws. I think a lot of that was because 
of a tough weight cut, and it's always going to be a problem for him to cut weight. Um, he's he's too big. He's too muscular. He's probably going to have to go up to 135 at some point in his career. But this year has been great for Figueredo. Obviously, if you want Brandon Moreno, it will give him even more of a obvious uh, choice to be 2025 of the year. But I'm still going to go with him. I think that he's shown me a lot this year, and he's a great champion. Kevin Holland, although he's won more fights and he's undefeated, the competition is a big deal for me, and I feel like some of the fighters Kevin Holland fought, like Anthony Hernandez and Charlie Odaveris, are just not the best wins, you know. But I, I do think that Kevin Holland is a beast, and I wouldn't be mad if someone said that he's the fighter of the year. Okay, female fighter of the year. Um, this one was in super obvious. I was thinking maybe Wiley Zane because one of her, one of her, uh, when she beat Joanna, but that was kind of an up in the air fight, and people, some people thought that Joanna won. So I'm gonna go with Valentina Shevchenko just because another year of her being dominant. Uh, dominant win against Caitlin Chokagian, uh, knocked her out, and then a dominant decision win over Jennifer Maya. Only lost one round, and out grappled Maya, which is crazy because she's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko, she's just a beast, uh, super dominant, another, another year of dominance, she hasn't been touched by anybody this year, or the past couple of years, so I'm going to go with Shevchenko on this one. Fight of the year, Figueredo versus Moreno. Some other fights that I was thinking of are Charles Oliveira versus Kevin Lee, which is a great fight even though it was only three rounds, it was sick. Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker was fucking bananas. Uh, and obviously Wiley Zhang and Yohan uh, Andrzejczyk was going to be the fight of the year until this fight. Uh, crazy, bro. This fight was fucking insane. What a slobber knocker. I mean, Davison Figueroa was hitting Brandon Moreno with shots that would have knocked out lightweights. I mean, fi Brandon Moreno had great grappling, uh, good combinations. They were just going at it all five rounds. Uh... Everybody that watched that fight thought that it was probably fight of the year that year. Although Wiley Zhang and Ioana was a good fight, I think that this fight was better. And then we got breakout fight of the year. Um, although Kevin Holland has had a great year, 5-0. and I knew about Kevin Holland more than Hazmat Shmaev in 2019. I didn't know Hazmat Shmaev existed in 2019. And then I saw him fight this guy named John Phillips. And he beat the fuck out of him. In his first three fights, in the span of two months, I think it was, uh, against John Phillips, Gerald Mershart, and Heiss McKee, he has been hit a total of four times. Four times he's been hit. That's fucking insane. Uh, he's fighting Leon Edwards for pretty much a number one contender spot. Should have been this week, but Leon had to pull out again, so it's going to be in uh, January. Ah, uh, this is crazy, man. This guy has overtaken UFC. He has taken advantage of activity, and he's made fighters want to be more active. Uh, crazy, man. Crazy turnarounds for this guy. Uh, dominates his opponents. Hasn't been touched by anybody. Only been touched four times. The way this guy fights is a... He has a very long shelf life, in my opinion. He fights just like a Habib would, and he has good striking, so... This is a no-brainer for me. How's much my breakout fight of the year? Knockout of the year. Uh, 
I mean, this one is pretty fucking easy. Joaquin Buckley. Uh, that was one of the best knockouts of all time. He threw a left high kick against Impa Casagni, I think is his name. And then turned around and had him hit him with a backspin. Got like 100k in bonuses. And he won his next fight. Uh, he, it basically, I think his knockout was the most watched uh, video in UFC history on YouTube. So, I mean, this guy, it made him a star. This knockout made him a star. So, it's a pretty easy pick for me. And then, submission of the year. I gotta go with my boy Habib. A mounted triangle. I know Justin Gaethje isn't the greatest jujitsu practitioner, but for him to pull off that mounted triangle, which is a risky choice because it puts him on his back, uh, to do that in a championship fight so confidently against Justin Gaethje, I have never seen that in a UFC fight, let alone a title fight. I have to go with that. That was fucking insane. That It was a perfect triangle, and he could have finished the armbar, but he finished the triangle because he he uh, didn't want to break Justin's arm. I mean, uh, that's crazy, bro. Habib's different. Uh, I, I'm going to go with him for submission of the year. And then event of the year, the first event back from the coronavirus outbreak, 249, Ferguson versus Gaethje, Cejudo versus Cruz, Ngannou Rosenstrike, Cater Stevens. I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, this fight card was great. The last fight card I was thinking maybe could be fight of the or event of the year, but I don't want to just do recency bias. I felt like this fight card was better, and it meant more. It was cool that the UFC had the first sporting event back from COVID, and this fight is one. This fight card is one of the most historic fight cards ever. Uh, big surprise with Gaethje dominating Ferguson, and then Cejudo retiring. Just a great uh, event to come back from COVID, the COVID pandemic. So that's my event of the year. And with that, that is all I have for you guys. Some great fights this weekend. Tune in because I might get all these picks run. I don't fucking know. I'm kind of up in the air. But enjoy the fights and peace.